Good morning. A couple of weeks ago, Jenny spoke to us under the theme of a beautiful thing. And she spoke to us about a miracle that happens the day that you and I, we may have heard the gospel. Somebody may have brought us to a church or shared some scriptures. Whatever journey you've been on, and you come to a place where you decide to become a Jesus follower. When you say yes to Jesus. And she reminded us that from that very day, a miracle happens in us. That God begins to do a deep work in us. To change us to become more like Him. There are days where I feel I walk in exactly the opposite direction. There are days that I don't experience that at all. And guess what? God is faithful to walk the road with us. His grace and His forgiveness poured out on us. This is no longer about us getting into heaven. This is about heaven getting into us. It's a miracle. I'm amazed by it. And Jenny reminded us that God, my language, not hers, in his kind of toolbox where he works with us, there are a couple of things that he can deploy. One of those is relationships, right? Think of parenting. Think of husband and wife. Boy, has God changed me through my marriage? Has He given me compassion? Has He forced me to listen? Has He given me empathy, reconciliation, forgiveness? These are not lessons that I would have learned otherwise. Relationships. He speaks to us through His Word. And then she said this, which immediately got my attention. She said that God will transform us to become more like Him through adversity. And she didn't have the time to unpack that to the full. And this morning, I want to double-click, as you like, on that, on this thing of adversity, not just how it, God transforms us through adversity, but how we experience God's goodness in adversity. How do we face adversity? How do you face that cancer diagnosis? Wars, crime, job losses. Death in the family. How do you come back from all these things? What do you do with it? What do you do with scriptures like James chapter 1? Consider it pure joy when you go through trials because it will bring in your perseverance. Pure joy? I mean, really? Do you say that to somebody who's looking death in the face? Pure joy? And some people think because God is good, life should not be tough. They think that if I can just have more faith, you know, if I can work a little harder, if I can remember more scriptures, if I can give more to this ministry, life will be cool. My life will be easy. God wants to bless that. Well, my friends, the problem comes when trouble comes your way. Then you're going to beat up on yourself and you're going to say to yourself, I just need to work a little harder. I need to pray more. I need to Remember more scriptures. I need to give more. I need to do this. I need to do this. And you know what you end up with? As an exhausted, messed up person. And other people think that because life, because life is sailing for them, that life just rolls on and that they've done very well. They've ticked all the boxes. You know, look at me. You end up being a smug person where you think, man, I've learned to make God 
dance to my tunes. Look at me. I tick all the boxes. I've figured out how to do this. And still others think that because life is tough, God cannot be good. People will say to us, what about the war in Ukraine? What about the images that came our way this week out of Yemen? Where is this God of yours? And if he's around, he's certainly not a very caring God. And so life is tough. Therefore, God cannot be good, they argue. And it's not just our culture out there. It's some of us, right? In many years of ministry, Elise and I have discovered that we've dealt with many people who say, in this situation, the hardship that we've been through, we just cannot reconcile what we've been through with a good God. We just cannot make that connection as we've pushed through the trials of life. And so on the one hand, you have those in our church, in our circles, who say that life is, God is good, and so life cannot be tough. And on the other hand, life is tough, so God cannot be good. My friends, how do we bring these two things together? How do we reconcile this life is tough versus God is good idea? And that's what I want to do this morning. It's such an important question for our walk with God. And so we're going to go, we're going to turn to somebody who answers this question better than anybody else I can think of in the Bible. His name is the Apostle Paul. He is a guy who's walked the road and who's come up with, an, with, a, with a robust faith. And so turn with me in your Bibles, if you wish, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we pick it up from verse 3. says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. 
Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the answer to many of our prayers. So how does Paul make this connection between life is tough and God is good? Essentially, the point that Paul's making in this passage is that we will only really discover how good God is when life is tough. And let me say that again. We will only really discover how good God is when life is tough. And in this passage, Paul's, Paul pulls out at least six ways that you and I can experience God's goodness in tough times. How will God reveal His goodness in tough times? Well, I'm going to list six for you, and then we'll delve into a couple that we've got time for. Number one, we may reveal, God may reveal His goodness by comforting us with His closeness. Have you experienced that? Isn't it amazing that when we are in great pain, God seems to be at His closest to us? Number two, God may reveal His goodness by turning us into wounded healers. The very ones of us that, are, that have been restored and recovered will become those who will bring hope to those around us with similar wounds. God reveals His goodness, number three, by, use, by using us to inspire others, whether they are followers of Christ or not. The way that you and I will respond to a tough life will inspire those around us or not. Number four, by drawing us deeper into community. There is the potential for Christian community, you better believe it, to be shallow. We can come here week after week and dress this, this thing till the end, end of time. But God will reveal His goodness in tough times when we, when we plunge into the depths that only He can take us. We experienced this a while ago in our small group, which we thought was... There was a lot of depth to that, and we've known each other, and we've walked a journey. And then one night, somebody came to our meeting, and he said, People, I just want to tell you what's really happening in my life, how it's unraveled at every level, how desperate I am as I look you in the face tonight. And our small group has never been the same again. God will reveal His goodness as He takes us into deeper community. Fifthly, God will reveal His goodness by replacing our self-reliance with God-reliance, our tendency to deal with these matters by our own strength and wisdom. God will break the back of that for our own good. And then, sixthly, one that we experience often, God reveals His goodness by powerfully intervening those times when prayer just comes through. We're desperate, we're on our knees, we pray, God hears us. He breaks through. That's what He does. And so you, what we see here in Paul, and that's why his faith is so robust, Paul saw every opportunity or every hardship as an opportunity to see God's goodness. Isn't that a different way of looking at things? Later on in, in the same book of 2 Corinthians, he writes, As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great Endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, 
in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and not yet killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. You see that Paul is saying that some of the richest time in his life has been when the wheels came off. That's a robust faith. That's taking every opportunity to grow in God, to take on His character, to experience Him more vividly, to experience the goodness of God. And you say to me, Christo, is there no other way that we can experience this? Do I have to deal with these things? And I want to tell you, my friend, that the overriding soul of the Bible is it this, this way? That we live in a fallen world and things will go wrong. But in this state of utter despair, God comes and He reveals His goodness. And so I, I'll, I'll try and unpack three of these and see where we go with it. The first one is that when life is tough, God may show His goodness by comforting us with His closeness. Let's look again at verse 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, hear this. Who comforts us in all our troubles. This verse teaches us that our Father is a compassionate Father who cares deeply about us. This theme, my friends, runs throughout the Bible. Uh, Psalm 103 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And you may ask me this morning, so what does this compassion look like? Because to me it may just seem like a good theory or a good theology. Well, let me point you in a few directions. Firstly, God comforts us and He's close to us by speaking to us through this book, the Bible. Can I give you a, a personal word of advice this morning? If you face anything that looks anything like diversity, uh, like adversity, bury yourself in this book. Do it patiently, do it diligently. And I promise you, God will speak to you. You can ask anybody who's walked this road for a few years. They'll tell you that there are moments of despair. That I'll go to bed at night one night and I'll just say, God, I cannot do this any longer. And the next morning, when I do my devotional reading, there'll be a passage. Oh, God is the God of comfort. God is the God of closeness. He will walk with me. But this book doesn't only come to play when we do it devotionally in our own lives. It also comes to play here on a Sunday, right? When we come together and we, and we grapple with Scripture together, <laughs> God shows His closeness to us, His comfort. I was hooking up with a good friend of mine this week who's a part of this community. He's a follower of Christ. And he was telling me that last Thursday morning, he woke up and he said to me, Christo, the overall emotion that I experienced as I got out of bed was lostness. He said, I felt totally lost. 
And he was humble enough to admit that this state of lostness was much of his own making. I asked him to send me a few notes of it because it was just so profound. He said, I continually place materialistic things before God. I didn't include God in my decisions. I lean on my own understanding. I always seek my kingdom versus his kingdom. And when my decisions don't pay off, I fall into depression. I feel lost. And guess what? He came to church. And Peter opened the scriptures. And he spoke about lostness and being found again. And so this person, he wrote, he said, he said, Sunday was a reminder that I must be still and make, make, make time to steady my heart. God is real. God is good. God is at work. This is for me such a wonderful experience. Receiving a word such as I did on Sunday through Piet created motivation in me to get out of my turmoil. I was going to miss church last week and I forgot how important it is to engage with Christian community. But through Piet's sermon, God specifically spoke to me three wonderful reminders of how to be found again. I walked out of church last week with a voice in my head, God is real, God is good, God is at work. Faith is not what the future holds, faith is knowing who holds the future. In 25 years or so of ministry, I've seen two responses from people in adversity. The one is to run to God, and the one is to run from God. And I cannot think of one example where running from God has worked out. Not one. Comforts us. Closeness. But we need to pick up the book. We need to rock up the church. And through that, God will show us His closeness and His goodness. Another way that He shows His closeness and His goodness in terms of comforting us is through the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Again, we don't hear this on our own. We, we are in community together and somebody brings a word just like Jenny did this morning. If I was wrapped in shame this morning, I would have been so delighted to be unwrapped. The Holy Spirit whispering. He comes alongside us to strengthen us. God comforting, pre comforting presence. I cannot think of anything better when I face a crisis. To hear him whisper, it's going to be okay. And this whisper brings healing to our hearts. It brings healing to our wounds, whether they are physical or emotionally or spiritually or mental or whatever they are. And God's comfort drains out the agony of us. And replace it with peace and comfort. We become calm before Him. When we draw near to Him. Which He promises to us. In Scripture. If you can hear one thing this morning. if you I don't know what you're facing. But hear this. God. He wants to be close to you. He wants to bring comfort to you. Doesn't mean life's going to be a party. But God's in it. Right with us. A second way that God may reveal this, His goodness to us is when life is tough, God may show His goodness by using us to inspire hope in others. Let's look at verse 6 again. It says, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. You see that? If we are in distress, it is for your salvation. What is Paul on about here? 
was simply this. He's saying that in his lifetime, he has seen many friends and family come to Christ by the way he has responded to hardship. That he has been faithful because he has displayed a robust faith. People ask themselves, Paul, are you for real? You've the one who's been in prison. You've been beaten. You face death. Where does your joy and hope come from, Paul? And no doubt Paul told them, my hope comes from Jesus. And so one of the ways that people in your community, in your street, in your workplace, in your family will come to faith will be by the faith that you display, by the robustness of your faith. If we are in in distress, it produces patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Paul's moving on, not just for salvation, but just in general. He's saying, Christ followers, you can be so inspirational to people around you. Not by pretending. Not by by putting your head in the sand and saying, I'm just... I'm a Christ follower, everything's cool. No, not by that at all. By being real, by being robust, by coming undone. But saying this, I don't care what happens to me, around me. I have hope in Jesus. And that hope will never fade. My story will end well. And you guess, and you know what? People will listen to that. Because it's inspirational. My friends, if we quit and we run at the first sight of a bit of a bit of hardship, we're not sending a very inspirational message to our culture, are we? But a robust faith is contagious. And so how you respond to whatever you're going through this morning will have an impact on people around you. You can inspire them. You can help them. I think of Marile in our our community. I cannot think to the life of me, if, of a better person who come along, some, somebody who's got a cancer diagnosis. Why? Because Jesus pulled her through. Is your faith inspirational? Doesn't mean that we always smile. Sometimes we cry. But boy, we go a little deeper. We have a little bit more hope, aren't we? Have we? An inspirational faith. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? It's a question I've often asked myself and often thought about. And his answer is classic. He says, why not? Because they're the only ones who can take it. (laughs) God has put something in you and I that will lift our head high, that will buckle down when the storm comes. Not because we're brilliant, but because of Him and what He's doing in our lives. And we can hold our head high. doesn't matter what we walk through. We can hold our head high. Thirdly, when life is tough, God may show His goodness by replacing our self-reliance with God reliance. Verse 8 says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardship 
we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But then listen to this, the next verse, verse 9b, it says this, But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raised the dead. Friends, can I tell you something this morning? If you haven't discovered it yet, I'm, I don't want to put bad stuff on you, but there's a very good chance in your life you will discover this. God may stretch you beyond the ability that you can cope. Why does he do that? Because he wants to break in us this thing of self-reliance. Yes. And he wants us to rely on him. It may feel like life is killing you. Like Paul did. But you can rely on the God of the resurrection. And so no matter how many times you are knocked off your feet, if you throw yourself at God's mercy, he will dispatch grace to you and wisdom and strength and you get up to you and you get up again. And if anybody knew this, it was Paul. You'd say Paul was completely God-reliant, and yet God seemed to be weeding out of him any possible self-reliance that was left. He honestly thought it was the end. He was looking at death, and in that place, Paul writes this. And he discovered that God was enough. If you had to look death in the face this morning, Will you be able to say, God is enough? And the reason why the Bible spends so much time telling us that God is our refuge and our strength and the rock on which we can build our lives is because the Bible shows us so many times that you and I don't have it. We don't have what it takes. Mentally and morally, we are corrupt. And if we lean on our own understanding, we're going to knock our heads again and again and again. And so God says, there is a different way. Life is tough. This is not easy. This is perplexing. And therefore, throw yourself upon me. Don't trust yourself. Get rid of the self-reliance in you. This independence in you. In the life of a Jesus follower, there is no such thing as independence. Independence is dangerous. It's attractive. It's seductive. It's destructive. It is a delusion that will always take you away from God and your purpose. Always. But if you are willing, humble, childlike, full of joy, come to your Father. He will take, you, he will take care of you. He will provide all the grace that you need. And so we, do, so we need to remind ourselves again and again that you and I don't have what it takes to make life work. We don't. And God reminds us of this for the very reason that He wants to come to Him where He can meet our needs. Not in our own strength. And so He makes us needy. He puts this neediness inside of us. Why? Oh God, we can come to you where grace abounds, where life abounds. The delusion of independence, my friends, will take you nowhere good. And so some people think that God is good. Life should not be tough. 
But life is tough. And so they bury their hands, their heads in a, like an ostrich. Other people think that since life is tough, God cannot be good. But they do themselves out of every opportunity when, when trouble comes, when, when life isn't going their way, they bury themselves every time an opportunity to experience God's goodness. And so the one who knows you best, one who loves you most, is reaching out to you in love this morning. Would your heart be open to that? Paul teaches us, yes, life is tough. But yes, God is good. Both. And the one does not take away from the other. They are not mutually exclusive. They don't contradict each other at all. Instead, Paul is saying that the one magnifies the other. He says that you're only really going to discover how good God is when life is tough. When life is tough, God is good. And that every time that you and I face adversity, it's an opportunity for us to draw on God's goodness, to experience Him in ways that we've never experienced before. And at the same time, to undergo this character transformation that Jenny spoke about, to become more like Him. This isn't easy, friends. Our natural inclination is not this. None of us like trouble. None of us like hardship. But boy, am I grateful for the hardship, the little bit that I've experienced in my life, where God knocked out all the rough edges of me, where little by little I've taken on some of His character, some of my pride, some of my self-reliance. I don't think I would have learned any of those lessons if it wasn't for those hardships. And so this morning, the invitation through Paul, giving us the reality that life is tough and God is good, the invitation is to run to Him. It's to come to Him. There will be times that we are knocked off our feet. But God will give you the strength to get up again. To strengthen you through His Word, through this community, through His Holy Spirit. That he'll help you to help others around you. That he'll speak a strong voice into our culture. That when you go into that board meeting where there's chaos, and people will be able to say, why are you so calm? Life is tough. God is good. I wouldn't want it any other way. And so this morning, I want to just close by reading Psalm 91 to us. Just the first few verses says this. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Friends, that's what God wants us to do this morning. 
He wants us to come to him afresh and say, God, I trust in you. Thank you that these, what Paul calls momentary troubles, I may be knocked off my feet, but with your strength, wisdom, grace, I'll get up again. And I'm going to become more like you. And I'm going to be more dependent on you. And I'm going to experience you in fresh ways. That is my prayer for us this morning. I pray that every one of us will experience God in fresh ways. And yes, if it takes some trouble, that's also good. We sign up for that. We wouldn't want it any other way, right? Let's just close our eyes for a minute or two. I wonder if you've stressed, if you've really struggled with this concept of life is tough and God is good, how to reconcile these, what seem seemingly two radically different ideas. Let's just ask God. Father, this morning, it is our prayer that you help us to get our head around this. But much more than that, to get our hearts around it. That like Paul, Lord, we may experience some stuff that we would not have chosen for ourselves. And yet, your goodness comes through. I pray, Lord, that we would run to you, not from you, but to you this morning. I wonder this morning if you are finding yourself in such a place whether it's a, a small crisis on the horizon or whether it's a full-blown crisis that's landed on your, that's gate-crushed your life. If that's you this morning, can I encourage you just to pray with me and ask God to bring His closeness, to bring His comfort to that situation? Ask God to reveal himself to you through his wonderful word, through this community, the church, the Holy Spirit. Ask God that you can become a conduit to help others, that your faith will be inspirational. And ask God to weed out every little bit of self-reliance in you. And so that when we walk out of this door this morning, we know in our hearts it's going to be okay because we've downloaded on God who's waiting for us with open arms. Father, thank you. Thank you for this truth in the Bible. Thank you that you can give us joy in the midst of tears, hope when everything around us seems to be hopeless. And so minister to us this morning, Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, I pray where there are situations that's out of control, where there are situations where the pain is so deep, God, that you minister to your people. Holy Spirit, that you whisper again, that you heal those wounds, that you heal those hearts, emotionally, whether it's physical, spiritual. As we reach out to you this morning, we pray, God, Go to work in your people and change us from the inside out, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.